Hello, this is episode 263 and in it, I'm continuing my conversation with Melanie Lupus from Sustainability Certified. Now, if you haven't listened to part one of this conversation, then make sure you head back to episode 262. You can find that at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 262 and you can listen now or download the free PDF transcript. As we continue the conversation in this episode, Mel shares with me her thoughts on NatHERS and Passive House, uh, being certified to assess both with modelling tools. Um, from a certification point of view, she's got great perspective to share on them both that I think you'll find super interesting. We also talk about the true zero carbon challenge that Design Matters National ran in, in 2022. Uh, Mel entered this competition with building designer Lockie McEwen from Harmonic Design. Now, the aim of the true zero carbon challenge was to design a home that not only produces more power than it uses over the year through energy efficient design, careful appliance selection and photovoltaic integration. Entries also had to consider and calculate embodied carbon in the material selection and then they had to put on enough extra photovoltaic panels or PV panels, photovoltaic <laughs> panels or PV panels uh, to pay back the home's entire carbon debt by 2050 based on today's carbon intensity. Now, thermal performance assessors or energy efficiency assessors, as they're also known, they were paired up with building designers and architects. So they worked collaboratively together to create home designs and then those were assessed with their energy efficiency and their carbon footprint. So at the time of recording this episode, Mel and Lockie, they had submitted their entry and they were waiting to hear the results. And I am super excited to share that since this episode was recorded, they were actually declared the New South Wales State winners. Isn't that fantastic? So you will hear Mel talk in detail about how she and Lockie work together uh, through the design process to assess the home in preparation for entering and also the insights that it gave her for all home designs because I think you're going to find that really interesting. She's got some great stuff to share in that regard. So if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode plus information on the resources that we discussed, then you can do that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 263. That's the numbers 263. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. 
I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget, or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money, and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Let me remind you a little bit about Mel before we kick off. So Mel is an environmental enthusiast, a nature lover and a mum and she works as a home energy efficiency and sustainability consultant and heads up her own company, Sustainability Certified Proprietary Limited. She has a Bachelor of Science with honours majoring in environmental studies. She's a NatHERS accredited assessor, a Passive House Certified Consultant and a Residential Scorecard accredited assessor and she's trained in Burrs Pro, First Rate 5 and Hero Software Packages. Now, we heard in our last episode, Mel's two daughters, they're about to complete their environmental science degrees and together with her, with her husband, Kel, running support in the business, Mel is fortunate to have the opportunity and the means to help educate, eliminate the confusion and create a shift in mindset towards sensible, sustainable design. And I am loving bringing Mel to you on this podcast because I think that she is an incredible advocate for the kind of work that energy efficiency assessors or thermal performance assessors can really do do in the industry to help homeowners and designers get this right. So you can download a free PDF transcript of the episode with links to all of the resources that we mentioned. Uh, Grab that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 263 and stick around till the end of the episode. I'm going to be sharing some additional information about as-built verification that we talk about in this episode. Mel supplied me with some extra information about that after the interview. So I'll add that at the end. Now I wanted to talk about your NatHerd um, obviously you do NatHers assessments and you're also Passive House certified. So you're a Passive House certified consultant. So what are your thoughts on balancing these? Because I always find this is a pretty interesting kind of thing where people have foot a foot in one camp, definitely, or the other. Um, and people are often choosing. I have lots of people in Undercover Architect community who love hearing about Passive House, but then think it's not going to be affordable. So they're feeling, you know, what do they do? Um, how do you see this balanced? How do you kind of na- help nav- people navigate through it? Do you find they're coming to you and they've chosen one way or the other? Like how how are you sort of seeing this in your work? So just quickly, the reason that I did the Passive House course is I was really surprised that I saw a CSIRO webinar and it was, you know, Passive House versus Natters. And to me, it doesn't make sense. They're both trying to achieve the same thing, which is low energy, thermally comfort home, thermally comfortable homes, right? So I couldn't understand why, why is there this sort of weird, you know, competition? Um, and competition's good sometimes. But so I went and did the course because I was thinking I can't, I can't decide which one I'm going to be in if I don't know about the other. So I really want to learn, and often you hear it um, that that Passive House is sort of the epitome. So of energy efficiency and thermal comfort, design, everything else. So I thought, you know what, I'll go and, I'll go and learn. And, and it's not an easy course. There was a lot to learn. It's not easy, no. <laughs> um, but I loved it and I apply it everywhere. Just like, so because I've got the um, residential scorecard, Natters, 
and passive house, I kind of like to think all of them feed into each other. Um, I don't think that they should be in competition at all. I think it's a spectrum. I think that sometimes if you can afford passive house, fantastic. But that doesn't mean that if you can't afford it, that, that you know, Natas is terrible either, right? You've got some really good opportunities with Natas. Passive house wins in terms of as-built verification, 100%. But if you go down the Natas path and you want to, you, you choose well in terms of your um, Natas assessor, your designers, your whole team, so that you know you're going to get a quality build. Um, you can build in that sort of as-built verification along the way if you want to. Um, don't just sort of leave it up to chance. So you don't have to just go with status quo and just go, oh, well, good luck. Hopefully I get it right or they get it right. Um, you can be heavily involved in that. So, yes, I think Passive House is fantastic. I also think that that is fantastic. So I've got a foot in both camps. <laughs> like I said, a spectrum. And then you've got people who, um, you know, they're just going to do a small amount. Everybody has their limits to what they can achieve, like both financially or what they're wanting to do in their sustainability goals. So I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a horses for courses almost. It's up to the person. The same way, like, I might build a modern house and the next person might choose to build a heritage house. I think we all have different goals and that we're so lucky, privileged to have wonderful tools that we can use to optimise these houses. Like, it's fantastic. That's a great a way of, of looking at it. Yeah, that's it's, it is. It's a great way of looking at it. And and so that as-built verification that you mentioned for NatHERS, how are you getting involved in that at all or are you seeing people like how are you seeing that sort of operate inside a build process for people yeah so i mean i would yeah in the future um, <laughs> i've got a lot on my plate at the moment but that's I, I do see it as a as a good area to be in um there are some companies setting up to do that um where they'll come in and do a blower door test for you even if it's natters not passive house along the way and look for with thermal cameras making sure that your insulation is correct so have a look around see what's available in your local area um, you can write in and i know jeremy spencer's fantastic at this he's got some documents that you can kind of write it into your building contract that okay at the stage where you've got an insulation on in I want photos of all of that. So you're kind of putting the onus back on the builder to provide the evidence along the way. So, um, yeah, Jeremy's fantastic at, at sort of coming up with those lists of things that you need to check along the way. So, Yeah, I think you're going to need to clone yourself, Mel, because um, <laughs> I can imagine you've got lots of different things that you want to be doing because you're so passionate about people getting this right and about helping people do that. So. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to talk with you about the True Zero Carbon Challenge because you recently were involved in that as an energy efficiency assessor, and it was a uh, it's a challenge that's been hosted by uh, Design Matters National. And I'm just going to read this: the goal of the competition is to design an operationally net positive home, but also consider and calculate payback period for the embodied carbon in material selection, and that that payback period has to be before 2050. Uh, the winners are going to be announced November 2020. 
2022. So we're recording this sort of halfway through October. So, um, but by the time this episode comes out, I was explaining to Mel, I'm trying to get ahead on all of my Christmas episodes because the end of school term always eats all of my time. So <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting ahead. I learned the hard way last year. So I'm getting ahead this year. So, um, but I, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing who those winners are and us being able to share that with the Undercover Architect community because you know, speaking with Jeremy about this when I, you know, this was just about to be announced when I interviewed him and he was really excited about it because he could see that it was just going to be this fantastic, you know, test bed for so many concepts and ideas and actually demonstrating how feasible they are. And also I think the, the, the joy and the importance of that collaboration between the designer and the energy efficiency assessor to get this right. So what are some of the things that, you know, you participating in this challenge really highlighted for you and taught you and opened your eyes to, you know, and excited you about, about being involved? Because I can imagine it was a lot of work to add to everything you're already doing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a lot of work, but it was also oh, just such wonderful learning opportunity. So um, Jeremy did a lot of the training, which was fantastic. Um, even things I thought I knew, he really uh, was able to expand on those things. Um, Design Matters, awesome. They, you know, they're taking on this new area of embodied energy um, and, and trying to train up their TPAs and their building designers so that we kind of got a head start on this. Um, it, it, operational energy is sort of... Because we're going to more and more renewables, it's sort of fading out as our focus. And the next frontier is embodied energy um, of the building, um, which we're making decisions on now, which will be there for a long time. Um, I love the process. I work with Lockie McEwen from Harmonic Design, and he's fabulous. So he's, I mean, I got a little bit lucky because he's already in tune environmentally, right? <laughs> But what you often find with a natus assessor and a building designer architect is it's kind of like we were talking about before, once it's late in the design process that, that a film performance assessor gets the design, it's really in a fix-it mode. So there can be this sort of animosity that the building designer architect is, is coming up with this amazing design that's beautiful and functional and here comes the film performance. Now you've got to do double glazing. Now you've got to put more interest. You've got to do this, this and this, right? So it's kind of at loggerheads. But when you can get together at the start of the process, um, so it just flips the whole thing on the head. So Lockie and I would have weekly meetings and it was really interesting for him to see how the Natter's software works because we'd just have a Zoom meeting and he'd say, okay, well, let's just change a little bit here and then recalc it. And then he'd go, oh, wow, I didn't think that that would really impact it that much or, you know, some things that you think are going to impact it have no impact. So he could really get an insight into the Natter's software and how it thinks which, you know, is traditionally just sort of where we work quite compartmentalised um, between the net assessor and the designer. Um, so, yeah, it was fantastic. And, and we really wanted to work hard on it. And, and he's very passionate. Um, we, we, we went for some, we, we tried to stay with sort of a traditional design, sorry, build design in terms of making it so it's accessible for any sort of builder to come along and build it. Um, 
but we did go for a 140 mil stud, which I don't know if your listeners know, but that's a that's another really good solution uh, where we have a traditionally a 90 mil stud. You can only get two and a half in the walls for insulation, uh, two, uh, 2.5. You get R4 straight away. Um, and we put in some, I know that you've had Panel on your program. So we yep. use Durapanel, it's a fantastic product. Um, and yeah, just working along, doing the calculations from with the footprint company into the embodied energy, that was a real eye-opener. Um, we sort of, I hadn't really done, um, I'm, I'm not a, a quantity surveyor, <laughs> but <laughs> so I had to <laughs> learn fast. Um, so that was really interesting to see, and things that you don't realise have a big impact, have do have a big impact, but this, the good thing is, um, and I was in a webinar about basics yesterday because they're going to start tracking embodied energy in the in the um, in the bills that come through. Oh wow! Yeah, fantastic. Wow. They're not putting any measurements on it yet? They're just going to start tracking it. So um, a simplified version, not like our complex calculations in the footprint company, um, but it, once you start. Um, measuring it well then you can start making a difference in the future so i think yeah and just you're starting to see companies come on board with products where they feel like oh you know this this other our competitors have already got you know a, a, a zero impact product we, we need to get on board and we need to develop an epd that's you know able to be uh, put up onto the footprint company uh, website so people can use it because that people start choosing from the ones that have already got their information up there. So it's kind of, it's just starting that process that companies are starting to, to realise, yeah, this is a space we need to be in. So, um, yeah, we're really lucky. Competition is great. Cross fingers. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, I think, you know, walk away with something, walk away with nothing. Um, we're definitely not walking away with nothing because we learned so much and I think it's going to be moving forward, just invaluable knowledge. So. Yeah. And the footprint company, they were the ones with the carbon calculator for the embodied yes. energy. So did they train you how to use their calculator or were they um, calculating them for you? How did that process oh, no. work? Yeah, we had to use it. Um, yep. So both training from the footprint, footprint company as well as from Jeremy Spencer, who's positive footprint. So, yeah, don't confuse the two. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so both. And uh Jeremy helped us out with a spreadsheet so we could start sort of getting our heads around how we're going to quantify all of the different products, pull that out, and then put that into Footprint Company Calculator. And yet we had to do that all ourselves, although it then had to be sent off to sort of be um, To be checked. audited, yeah. yeah. Yeah, by the Footprint Company. And then if they're happy that we'd sort of done all the right things, then, yeah. Wow. And so what climate... Um, region was the house designed for in terms of its operational energy and its thermal performance? What, where did you have to locate it? Yeah, so we thought about this a little bit between Lockie and I. He's from Adelaide. I'm from Sydney. Um, the, we achieved a nine-star in Adelaide and ten-star in Sydney <laughs> for our wow. design. Yeah, so we're excited about that. Um, we opted for Sydney in the end. I don't know why I won, but I did. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, uh, it, it was interesting to see that. But so... This is uh, well, maybe a little bit off track, but um, in in terms of it's a 10-star house in Sydney, 9-star house in Adelaide, 
but Adelaide makes more solar because they have a better um, climate for solar. So, yeah, because we had to put um, the equivalent um, photovoltaics on the roof to pay back the embodied as well as the operational energy and then and then some. So, yeah. Oh, and so even getting down to that granular level of looking at, okay, we get better solar in Adelaide, but we get the nine stars, so we're going to have to offset it with more solar to compensate for that nine star energy efficiency rating, we get less solar, uh, you know, uh, ability capturing ability in Sydney, but we get the 10 stars. So we're going to require less. So like that must've been, even that must've been a really interesting exercise. Does it like, did it change the number of, did you examine how many it changed in terms of the number of panels you'd need or anything like that? Yeah. Well, in the end we stuck with the same amount of panels because we were happy with the design. But, yeah, it, it, it's in, and then even because we had to do the whole of home as well, right? So that's that's putting a number on the operational, whereas Natas is typically just the thermal side of it. That's the, um, you know, it tells you the heating and cooling in megajoules. But then when you start putting through whole of home, which, as you know, will be part of um, the NCC next year, um, you're starting to be able to quantify a lot more because you can put in what air conditioning system, the star rating of that, what uh, hot water heaters that you're putting in, uh, the stove, all those sort of things. So you're starting to really be able to get some really good data. Um, yeah, that was was kind of the whole range. So it's fantastic. I just love how how informative and transparent it becomes for the homeowner. You know, I, I talk regularly about being able to make data-driven decisions because home design can feel like such an aesthetic, esoteric, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes even dark art in the way that, you know, spaces get created and things get laid down. And But you're working with such physical, real things. And so to then sort of be able to, to overlay those kind of you know feeling and functionality and flow and you know all the stuff that we talk about an undercover architect we then okay if I choose this versus this it's going to cost me this much different but it's going to save me this amount of money and I'm going to be able to you know do this this and this and that's going to mean this star rating and you know it just it's it can give so much more confidence to a homeowner that they're making the right choices for themselves and they can because everybody's got different value propositions, you know, what someone person thinks is expensive, another person won't because they've got different priorities. So just to be able to nuance that for, and tailor it for your own choices um, is so exciting. And as you said, as, as you know, places like the Footprint Company and, uh, you know, carbon lists like this become more and more relevant and used by homeowners, companies will see that they have to get themselves on these lists, that they have to actually go through the exercise of examining their materials. I just saw on Instagram, Matt Risinger from the Build Network in, in the USA does a lot of amazing videos on, you know, high high performance homes in the States he was inside a, a home that was made from cross-laminated timber and they were using cork insulation on the outside of it. And I was like, and then this company was talking about that they're creating the cork insulation. And I was like, cork insulation, of course, but like, you know, like that kind of stuff. And you just think, oh, it's just awesome to see this snowball effect. I really do feel like we're getting some momentum on it. So do you feel that too? Do you feel like you're at the cusp of, you know, some really exciting times? Yes, absolutely. So like I said, I worked in, um, greenhouse gas emission reduction in the late 90s and I know that a lot of people say you know things are terrible and honestly we have come a long way and I feel like that 
now that industry's on board, that's the game changer. And and they're competing with each other to to really sort of you know I don't want him to beat me at being and yet okay there's there's probably some greenwashing there but I think that the times are changing I really do I, I'm really positive about it and once that switch happens it's you know it's a snowball effect it's it it'll really it'll really happen and I think that you know we, we've got really bright future ahead of us I really do. And like you shared on your social media, ACCC have got greenwash on their radar too. So, you know, people having integrity around what they claim is going to become uh, not only important, but legislated. So that's um, going to be really helpful for homeowners navigating this as well, because it can feel like a bit of a bottomless pit when you start scratching the surface of all of the options. Um, but I think it is that thing of getting the right people around you, getting them working collaboratively, feeding you with the data and the information so then you can make the right choice for you uh, is, you know, because you will have priorities, even if you aren't aware of them just yet in your project, you will start to see as these things come out, they have costs attached to them and, and you see the meaning of them then you'll uh, be able to order those priorities for yourself. So Mel, I um, I have loved this chat. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for sharing information so generously. I'm going to put all of your contact details in our resources. Um, the scorecard assessment, you can, um, I'll pop a link. You can go onto the website and you can actually find accredited assessors in your location. And that list is growing, which is really, really exciting. If there's any um, thermal performance assessors or energy efficiency assessors, same thing, just different names. If there's any of those that want to get scorecard trained, um, I would highly recommend it. We need more thermal performance assessors going into homes, helping people understand what they can do to improve the performance. And also we need more working collaboratively with designers and with their clients to provide um, that iterative feedback during the design process where it can really make a big difference. So Mel, did you have anything else to add before I wrap up? No, it was wonderful to have a chat with you. Really appreciate it. I think you do wonderful work in getting, I think I told you when I was doing my cert for in home energy efficiency sustainability, that your podcast is fantastic at, at really educating everybody. So thank you for what you do. In this oh, space. thank you. That's super <laughs> kind of you, Mel. Cheers. So good to have you here. Have a great day. I really do hope that you found my conversation with Mel from Sustainability Certified really helpful for your project, thinking about the process that you're going to work and how and when you're going to pull your whole team together. Collaboration between an energy efficiency assessor and a designer during the design phase does make such a significant difference to you being able to make informed decisions about specific things related to sustainability and energy efficiency. So I hope that this has been helpful in giving you some insights in that regard. Now, before I wrap up, I said up front that I was going to add some information about the as-built verification that Mel and I discussed at the beginning of this episode. And that whole passive house process compared to NATHERS and basics. So when I first discussed passive house here on Undercover Architects podcast, it was way back in season eight and it sparked a lot of interest from listeners who weren't aware of passive house. And since then, I've actually seen lots of Undercover Architect community members and, and, and particularly inside Home Method actually pursue passive house homes. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, I'm going to pop some links in the resources for you. They're episodes 105 to 111. Uh, so there's some great interviews there for you to check out. Now, one of the things that I see homeowners particularly loving about Passive House, you know, of course, as well as the sustainability, the energy efficiency, the ability to manage your indoor air quality, the thermal comfort, 
it's definitely uh, attractive to homeowners because of the as-built verification. So the process of building a passive house actually requires the builder to be a, a passive house certified tradesperson and then they need to take photographs and document construction and their orders and all of those kinds of things because they need to demonstrate that they've actually built the home as per its requirements and per, as per the design modelling and requirements of the PHPP modelling tool that is used to model the home during its design process. Now, this is something that doesn't occur in conventional construction. You know, builders don't actually have to demonstrate or prove that they have built your home according to the design energy efficiency modelling done through NATHERS and BASICS unless you actually include it contractually. And so many of my Home Method members, they're actually adjusting their contracts to include specific requirements of the builder. You can't just say, you know, prove that you've met NatHurst. You actually have to specify some specific things. So, um, but they're doing this contractually in order to add that sort of as-built verification process uh, to their contracts to enable some of this to, to filter through in construction. So some of these checks and verifications, they can include running blower door tests. Uh, they conclude, it can include doing a thermal imaging camera inspection, uh, taking photographs of the insulation installation to ensure that there's no gaps, uh, even doing a Wolfie analysis uh, to examine the wall buildup prior to construction, model it to determine where the dew point is in the wall and make sure that the wall is designed to ensure that that dew point is happening external to the building envelope or within the cavity where it can be vented and then a range of other steps and contractual inclusions that actually help protect that designed performance that they've worked so hard on uh, during the design phase to ensure that that's actually carried through how it's constructed. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this for your project, I'm actually going to pop some links into the resources for this episode because after the conversation that I had with Mel for this podcast, she sent me an email and she said in it, in the podcast, I know that we spoke about as-built verification as being one of the weakest links in achieving a thermally comfortable and energy efficient home. Obviously, if you go down the passive house route, this problem is eliminated. But for your listeners who choose to go with NatHERS or even basics, there are some good resources to help them be better educated in checking that they are getting a good result during the construction phase. Sustainability Victoria has produced the as-built verification fact sheet and checklist and explainer videos that have been produced by the fellas at Efficiency Matrix, which are great and really should be watched prior to reading the checklist. So a big shout out and thank you to Mel. Um, these resources put together by Sustainability Victoria, I'll pop them in the link in the resources for this episode. Um, you can access those plus a free PDF transcript of the episode uh, and other links and resources that we've discussed. We've mentioned a few things, including you can see the entry that Mel and Lockie did, uh, their winning entry into the True uh, Zero Carbon Challenge that Design Matters ran. I'll put, put, pop a link there and you can see the, the renders and how the ho um, home was designed. Um, all of that can be accessed by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 263 okay so make sure you check that out the as-built verification is something that is as I said it's being spoken about in the industry a lot it's really worth thinking about remember these have been produced by Sustainability Victoria so there may be some things that are climate specific uh, to the Victorian climate so just check how that's going to apply to your own location even if you're listening to this overseas I think it's a really great uh, thing to check out and just understand more about this and the explainer videos are super helpful in understanding some of the bigger concepts when it comes to as-built verification as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.